Welcome to the Week 10 Sit Start Podcast. I'm Eric Smith of QB List. I'm joined by Ryan Heath, as always, to go through your most difficult sit start decisions for the upcoming week. We are about five weeks away from the fantasy playoffs, so it's getting down to crunch time. Uh, maybe in some dynasty leagues, you got to decide, you know, are you going for it? Are you rebuilding? Uh, we got NFL teams going through the same thing. Um, Ryan, welcome to the show. If you had to pick the most clear and obvious tank in the NFL, would you go Indianapolis Colts with Jeff Saturday as head coach? Or would you go, oh, I don't know, Carolina Panthers rolling out P.J. Walker for a second straight week? Uh, where are you ranking these teams as far as uh, the tank scale as we enter week 10 of the NFL? You know, I'd like to say that the Colts are just masterfully pulling off this tank. Like everything about what they've done in the last three weeks has, has been exactly what you would do if you were just going for that high draft pick. But Honestly, I'm not convinced that it is a tank and that they're doing this on purpose. Like when you listen to Jim Irsay talk about Jeff Saturday and say that he will have no fear and he won't give in to the analytics because he it not like infected by the coaching hive mind or whatever it is that apparently pushes analytics, which is news to me. I I really feel like Ursay is taking himself seriously. Just something gives me that idea. Ursay seems like, I mean, I know he makes his, his Twitter appearances and his public appearances and says some crazy things, but he gives off the vibe of someone who is like uh, caged up for the past five years or something. And they finally let him out. And he was like, we're doing things my way now. This is my team. It's like, where where has this Jim Ursay been for the past uh, five years? Because uh, suddenly he seems to have personnel decision and personnel control. So it's uh, interesting times in Indianapolis. We'll talk about Jonathan Taylor a bit here in a little while, uh, just how much we can even count on this offense. But as someone who watched the Bengals play the Panthers last week, I am equally shocked that they are going back to P.J. Walker because he looked awful. And I know Baker Mayfield, uh, we, we've seen uh, the floor on Baker Mayfield as well, but he looked a lot more functional than P.J. Walker. So we've got a few teams tanking around the NFL, some that maybe um, aren't trying to, like the Green Bay Packers. But uh, it, it's been a wild year, but we're definitely starting to see some separation here from these teams. Uh, so we'll get into some of those tough decisions. As always, go to the website for the entire Sit Start article, every relevant player broken down. Uh, we also have Ryan's range of outcomes tool. You can compare one player to another. It'll show you their projection and kind of the uh, – the high and low projection that is in their range of outcomes. It's super helpful for sit start decisions. Uh, we've also got Kyle Bland's um, oppo report opportunity points. So lots of good stuff on the website. Check that out as uh, kind of an addition for this podcast. But Ryan, uh, we went through a few weeks ago, looked at pass funnels and run funnels. Uh, those are defenses that really force teams to pass the ball or to run the ball because they're really good at one or really bad at the other. Uh, we wanted to kind of check back in on this, see if anything's changed since then, see which defenses we can exploit with our matchups. So um, tell us a little bit about what you went through here, the process and some of these defenses we should target going forward. Yeah. Well, before I get into that, first, I got to say thank you for shouting out all those things on the website, because now I have to make sure they're actually up by the time that people listen to this podcast. So it's it's been a little bit of a rough, busy, unproductive week, but I, I will make sure that that stuff is all up there for the people by the time this is out. Um, all right. So moving into the pass and run funnels, um, I kind of explained the process I used for this uh, a month ago or whenever it was we last had this conversation, but essentially what I do is I just weight the pass efficiency against the running efficiency that each team in the NFL allows, 
uh, put that together with the passing volume versus the rushing volume. It's just as far as play percentage each NFL defense allows. Roll it all together, and it spits out a pass funnel score that basically says the higher a team's defense scores in this, the more productive a opposing team's passing offense is likely to be against them and opposite for the running offense. A lower score in this means that opposing teams will run the ball a lot and do it efficiently against these defenses. So getting into some of the biggest pass funnels. So you want to play players against these defenses uh, if they are part of the passing game. So the biggest three top three are Tennessee, Atlanta, and Baltimore. Those kind of clearly make a tier up at the top. And after that, it's Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. So just kind of thinking about those matchups for this week. I, I mean, the, fir- the first one is Denver uh, rolling, in, <laughs> rolling into Tennessee with an implied total of a, a whopping 18 points last I checked. Uh, <laughs> pretty embarrassing for a Russell Wilson offense. But I don't know, Eric. I couldn't help but like not completely tank Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton in my ranks this week. Uh, I have a streamer like above Russell Wilson, but I, I don't know. I feel like Vegas only implying them 18 points in what, whatever this is like a 38 over under game. I feel like this could be a get right spot for Denver coming off the bye, right? Like, or am I just coping and crazy thinking that Russell Wilson's going to do anything in 2022? I, I, yeah, I, I'm a little bit optimistic here. So we kind of talked about this on the, what we saw podcast that Sutton could be a buy low candidate. Um, it, we're probably writing off Russell Wilson awfully quickly here for the, the track record that he has in his career. I mean, we got to remember that he did get banged up. He was struggling, but he did get banged up. Um, he missed a week. They traveled to London, I believe it was. Uh, then they had a bye week. So this is like a little bit extended time maybe where he could have got healthy and on back on track. And well, like you said, Tennessee is the number one pass funnel defense right now. Part of it's because you just can't run the ball on them. They have an excellent run defense. So the Broncos are going to have, have their hand forced here. If they want to win this game, they're going to have to put the ball in the air. So I agree with you. I would be willing. I, I think I'd be less willing to give Wilson a shot just because you've probably found some other quarterback options this week, but I would be willing to give Sutton and Judy a shot here like this is a good spot for them. We've got to get some production here. And I, I do think that that over under is too low for the Broncos. I, I, I'm not ready to say like they're going to get back to what we thought they were going to be preseason, but this is awfully low. And I, I, I do think they can rebound. Yeah, I largely agree. I have both Sutton and Judy inside the top 36 at the position. So both very startable this week. Uh, I, Sutton's like high value opportunities have kind of all gone away in the last three, four weeks or so, like he isn't really getting any red zone targets anymore. Um, So that's like a little concerning, but we've got like a bigger sample just of his career overall where he's used like that. So maybe that's a thing that the Broncos look at over the bye and try to fix. Who knows? I, it's hard to say that anything will be fixed with this team and this coaching <laughs> staff, just a, assuming rational coaching here has, has kind of been our issue all year. Yeah, we have seen a lot of examples in the league this year, though, of 
coaches taking three or four or five weeks to figure something out longer than we would expect. So I don't know. It is a bye week. It's the first year with the coaching staff and Russell Wilson. And so, I, like I said, I, I'm not saying this is going to fix everything, but we should expect some positive regression from this Broncos offense. All right. Well, I guess, I guess we'll be taking the over on that game then. Yeah, uh, so yeah, let's do it. So looking at the next pass funnel defense, it is the Atlanta Falcons. I am 90% sure they were four weeks ago as well. Uh, they get the Panthers this week. Uh, we, you just talked about PJ Walker. Personally, I am happy they're sticking with PJ Walker because I think it's way more fun. And that that's really what I care about. Uh, not, not them winning at all. But I, I mean, th- this is just we're firing up DJ Moore and probably nothing else to really talk about. Right. Yeah, I can't think of any others. It's pretty wild looking at their defensive stats allowed. I mean, they've been bad against everyone, but uh, they're number one in fancy points allowed to wide receivers by quite a wide mar- margin. Um, they have allowed like 200 more receiving yards to the next best team. Uh, 12 receiving touchdowns. That's second most like they are getting torched by passing games and it, it kind of snuck up on me. I knew their defense was not good, but I didn't realize it was this bad. So uh, probably didn't hurt that Bengals game where they lit them up in the first half, but still this is a defense you can take advantage of. So yeah, I, I don't know. There's much to say here other than if you're desperate and you're still hanging on to DJ Moore and you need a start out of them, this is as good as weak as you're going to get. Little frustrating that the two biggest pass funnels in the league, Tennessee and Atlanta, will absolutely not throw the ball themselves. So <laughs> that like the these could be just like shootout factories, like that we could always be stacking games against in DFS, but it's like really hard to do that because you just can't count on either Tennessee or Atlanta to actually push the issue. But yep. yeah, I mean I mean for season long leagues, yeah, clear clearly very good matchups. Um the next team is Baltimore. They're on their bye this week. But after that, the fourth biggest pass funnel is Minnesota. They travel to Buffalo this week. But I, Eric, I'm terrified this game's going to get ruined. I, I was so excited for this when I saw it on the schedule. But then I realized Josh Allen is dealing with an elbow or shoulder injury, whatever it is. It's kind of mysterious. But dealing with some sort of injury that could affect his throwing motion, he may not play at all. We may get Case Keenum and it's supposed to be really bad weather. So I just, I don't even know what to think about this game. Like you're, you're starting your bills, I I guess, because there's not much other choice, but I, this isn't a game that I'm all jacked up for exactly. Yeah. that's a bummer. Um, yeah. It looks like a sprained right elbow. I, I've seen a lot of downplaying on it that it's not a big deal, but I think if Josh Allen has a sprained elbow in week 10, like you err on the side of caution here, like the pills, it's not like they have this division locked up by any means, but they have bigger aspirations here and to risk it for a week 10 matchup against Minnesota seems pretty crazy to me. So I would either expect he's out or maybe them try to ease him through the game. But yeah, I agree. This is a great matchup on paper, but we need the weather and uh, Allen's elbow to cooperate. So if it's full-blown Josh Allen, um, yeah, you're playing everyone. You would always play. Gabe Davis is a a boom-bust option and this would be a, a nice little shootout. So Let's just fingers crossed that Allen uh, recovers by Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Davis is the player it's going to affect the most. We'll, and we'll talk about him more in depth later. Um, going on to the next pass funnel defense, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they are what, one of the worst teams as far as passing efficiency allowed. Uh, so teams just can just easily just break off these huge plays through the air against them. But 
teams don't actually throw against them that much. And it's probably because they fall out of games rather quickly. Uh, but the Steelers do get the Saints this week. I don't know that the Saints are going to immediately put them away. So may- maybe this chalks up to a pass-heavy game script for Andy Dalton. I-, I don't know if I can sell you on Andy Dalton as a streamer. I don't think I sold myself on him this week. No, I mean, Pittsburgh does have a pretty poor pressure rate. <laughs> They're one of the worst in the league right now. Obviously, not having a healthy TJ Watt will do that. So, uh, yeah, it's not so much Dalton for me. It's it, it's the receiving options like Chris Olave. It's getting Alvin Kamara going in the passing game. That, that's what I would focus on in that one. But it is good to know because we, we think of Pittsburgh as this dominant defense just from all the years of evidence. And maybe when they get Watt back, they will be. But they are exploitable in the passing game for sure. So, um yeah, I, I, we've seen some teams struggle against them, but uh, obviously the efficiency is there. And we just kind of another one of those teams, like we just need a shootout from them and this could all fall into place. Yeah, whichever game like Kenny Pickett figures it out and pushes the other team, that will yeah. be the game that breaks that DFS slate. Absolutely. Um, because, yeah. yeah, that Steelers secondary is not good right now. Uh, and then the last pass funnel I wanted to mention is Kansas City. Uh, so. This one is fun because we generally know the team that is going to be playing against them is going to have to throw Uh, this week. That is the Jaguars. So Trevor Lawrence has been very up and down. Um, He like would have slotted in as like a streamer type of play for me this week, except he's rostered in too many leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I just don't know what to do here. Like he's coming off a pretty good game. Lawrence actually has like at least four rush attempts in four of his last five games. So that, and has run for a few touchdowns. Uh, so that's kind of become a part of his game. Uh, it like similarly to Joe Burrow, like you called out on the, what we saw podcast. So I think Lawrence is a pretty good play this week, but it's a little scary too. Cause this, this can also very easily go the way of he has to drop back 50 times and turns the ball over a bunch. Yeah, uh, I did watch this Jaguars Raiders game from last week after we recorded that podcast for the what we saw article. Uh, So I was actually impressed with Trevor Lawrence. He I mean, he doesn't have the greatest weapons in the passing game. So there's not a lot of like big downfield plays or run after the catch or anything. But he looked like really confident in the pocket. He's going through his reads. I mean, he was 25 of 31. Like he was very efficient. And like you mentioned, his rushing. Uh, He had six carries for 53 yards. Those are his most rushing yards of the year. He had some big chunk plays running the ball and they were like third downs when they needed to convert them. And yeah, this is what I've wanted from Lawrence all along was to just kind of show off his athleticism and make some plays when, you know, the rest of the offense isn't quite living up to his talents. So I was really encouraged. I know it was against the Raiders uh, so that he should do well against the Raiders, but they fell behind early. Like he had a rough fumble where it was, it was on a a toss play to the running back. And it was, it was a rough fumble to attribute to Lawrence. Like, so they kind of got in the hole and he dug them out of it and they won. So I came away really impressed considering he threw for just 235 yards. So I would, if you need to start Lawrence, I would be all for firing up against Kansas city. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And I do think that he'll give you a pretty, uh, a pretty productive fantasy day. I mean, he's been a top 12 quarterback in three of the last four weeks. So he's uh, starting to settle in uh, finally uh, midway through year two. 
Yeah, we well, we could have a Lawrence versus Fields debate, but we should probably save that one for when when we specifically do some research on it. But I yeah. I have a feeling that's gonna be like a hot topic for the the next five to ten years because I I've seen it heating up a little bit already. Yep. No, it's I I they both have a lot of positives and uh, fantasy wise, it's hard to not get real excited about Justin Fields right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, in in fantasy, it's no contest, but the 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 yeah. if not the jaguars fans exist but the, the ones that you do find are, will have have some big opinions about lawrence versus fields we've um, got a couple in the discord so we gotta be nice to them that's true you're you're right you're right all right <laughs> um moving over to some run funnel defenses uh the biggest run funnel through the first half of the nfl season has been the green bay packers they are playing dallas this week uh, so how, how high are we ranking both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard uh, so, since Ezekiel Elliott will be back to his usual role almost certainly? Yeah, it's this is kind of mentioned before the show. It's kind of the frustrating part this time of the season. We know these players and we're kind of just trying to read the injury tea leaves here. It's tough. Zeke didn't practice on Monday. Um you know, Jerry Jones said he'll play in week 10. I don't know how much that means. So that, that's that's the main question here. I've got Tony Pollard right now as RB13 with Zeke down at RB23. I know they say that Zeke will take the lead back role, but it seems like they're rushing him back. And I would expect a little more Pollard than usual as he works his way back. So uh, I, I'm feeling pretty confident about Pollard for sure. Zeke, he's kind of just a you know, what, what you probably don't have much better if he's out there. So I, I would still feel relatively comfortable throwing him out there, but uh, I, I'm still leaning Pollard this week until we see like a fully healthy Zeke week, but just between the the struggles of the Packers offense and their run funnel defense, like this is a, a prime spot for Tony Pollard. Yeah. feels like the, I, if Zeke is out and Tony Pollard is chalk in DFS again this week, I will be playing like 80%. There's, I just see no way that this goes wrong in that situation. Um, the next biggest run funnel is the Houston Texans, uh, Saquon Barkley. Congratulations for this week. Uh, I, I don't know that there's much else to say there. Um, the, after that is the Denver Broncos, uh, Derrick Henry was held out of practice today, uh, with a foot issue. We still don't really know a lot about it. Uh, the team kind of made it sound like it wasn't a big deal. Could just be like a rest day, but. That, that's maybe worth keeping an eye on. Like, are, are we adding Dontrell Hilliard? Um, I don't know if I'm going, well, I mean, he's a handcuff. So if you have a spot for a handcuff, sure. But um, I, I would imagine Henry's dealing with something, but he'll play. They need him so bad right now. It's hard to imagine he's not going to be out there. So I'm, I'm factoring in a pretty standard Derrick Henry performance here. Uh, but yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. But this is a good spot for the reminder. Again, like Denver's run defense isn't, the worst in the league. It's just their pass defense is so good that teams are forced to run the ball on them. Like, again, we're not going to see the lions on this list because they're just bad at everything. So um, just a reminder, like they're going to have to run the ball against this defense in Denver, just because like it's a scary pass defense. So uh, Tennessee is a team that can take advantage of it, but I think it's worth noting for rest of season. Yeah, exactly. And with Tennessee, we know they absolutely will run the ball. That That's actually the reason that Denver isn't like the biggest pass funnel is because teams kind of have been tending to throw on them, even though it is seems like it should be easier to run on them. 
Uh, but I, yeah, I don't think that's a worry with Tennessee. I don't think they're ever going to abandon the run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got Henry as a top five running back, so I'm not too worried about uh, his health this week until I see some real limited practices, like going into Thursday and Friday. Yep. All right. So then the next biggest run funnel defense is actually Dallas. Uh, so Aaron Jones, I think we're still just kind of waiting on his status, but what, whatever the state of the Packers backfield is, I, if green Bay can stay in the game, then it should be a productive day for them. But I, there's just the worry that they completely fall out of it. Right. Like that. In fact, it, that feels likely to me. Yeah, it's hard for me to get real excited about either of them this week. Uh, ECR, expert consensus rankings, has Aaron Jones at RB12. I've got him down at RB17. Like, I just, between his injury, we'll see how healthy he is. Like, just a really good Dallas defense overall, the struggles of the Packers offense. Like, it's just hard for me to trust him too much this week. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit touchdown dependent. And then, as far as AJ Dillon goes, like, has he scored? He hasn't scored double digit PPR points since week one. And it's not like he's not seeing any snaps. So sure, he's not scoring touchdowns, like throw in some touchdown luck and he's double digits a few weeks, but there's just been zero production for AJ Dillon. So I just, I don't know how you could possibly roll him out there at this point unless Jones is out or really limited. Yeah, all AJ Dillon has done this year is chew up like nine or 10 carries a game and just do absolutely nothing with them for fantasy. So it's yeah. Been, yeah. Been it's ugly. Pretty- he's getting some targets, but he's got a high of 11 receiving yards. Uh, if you take out week one, when he had 46, like, you know, it's like six targets for 11 yards, four targets for 10 yards, three targets for six yards. Like it's just, it's brutal. And whether it's him or it's Rogers or this offense, it's just not working. Yeah, yeah, not not the efficiency that you want, especially when you're sharing a backfield with one of the most efficient running backs of all time. It's a it, interesting dichotomy there. Um, yeah. All right, and then the last uh, big run funnel defense that I want to mention is the Chicago Bears. Uh, they they were also a run funnel four weeks ago. This week they get the Lions. Uh, the I would not be shocked to see a good Jamal Williams game. I don't even like want to talk about DeAndre Swift it's just really depressing uh I I mean I don't know like the, the news sounds kind of positive on him like it I I think Dan Campbell said that he was looking and feeling better today so I I don't know like are, am I gonna get back on the DeAndre Swift roller coaster it's 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 just hard not to start him when he's on your team it is this might be the week where I'm pumping the brakes. I, I've been in the same spot as you is like, it's Deandre Swift. We just have to play him. But they had that week six by he missed week seven. He came back in week eight and played 55% of the snaps. And then last week he's back down to 16% of the snaps. Like that's just a, a worrisome trend for me. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like one minute, he's not going to be healthy for the rest of the year. Uh, then one minute, like this week, I think, uh, Dan Campbell said that they were going to try to give him more work, which it's like, yeah, I hope you will on 10 snaps from last week. So it's tough. Uh, Craig Reynolds is on IR now. So it's Williams, Justin Jackson, and Swift. If you're looking farther down the depth chart here, Uh, Jamal played 61% of the snaps last week, though. He is my RB 15 this week. I actually have him above Aaron Jones. So if that tells you uh, my thoughts on Jamal Williams, I just, he's just a really strong bet for a touchdown. I think he's going to get a lot of work. I have DeAndre Swift down at RB21. 
like right after Najee Harris, which we'll get to him later, and right in front of Deontay Foreman. So he's kind of like right after the bell cows, kind of. That's where I've got Swift. I I do think his efficiency can save the day here. I mean, he even even last week he scored eight PPR points. It wasn't a complete disaster. So I totally, if you want to roll the dice and go for the upside, I, I'm totally on board with you on Swift, but we have to be a little bit realistic here until we see him back up to the normal amount of snaps. Yeah, the I mean, the thing with these two is just that DeAndre Swift getting a goal line touch is just not in the range of outcomes whatsoever. <laughs> like they're, they will go out of their way. They will call timeouts. They will do everything they can to make sure it's Jamal Williams carrying the ball over the goal line. So, it, you know, it's just how it is. And we need as as fantasy football managers, we need to understand that and not not be mad about it on Twitter every time it happens. See, I, Eric, I've I've grown so much since week one. You do you see how much better of an outlook I have on this now? This is incredible. Um, as Twitter is in turmoil, Ryan is 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 really settling into this. He's really maturing. It's it's great to see. Yeah, I'm I'm just I, I'm just Zen right now. I I, <laughs> I understand that the world will cause DeAndre Swift to not have any goal line carries. And I, I will just let, I will let it happen. All right. Let's let's... like someone who needs a blue check Mark to me. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Coming soon. We'll see. I I don't know how I'll be feeling. We, we might be, uh, we might be wiring some money to good old Elon Musk. All right. Let's move into running back. Uh, we, we've got a few backfields that are pretty important to explicitly talk about this week, Eric. So kind of starting with the Colts, uh, Deion Jackson did not practice this week. Uh, but what what is the word on Jonathan Taylor and how are you approaching him this week? Yeah, I just thought it was worth kind of checking in on Taylor just with the injury and all the turmoil and everything going on in Indy. Like it's it's easy to just see the name and assume that it's going to be returned to peak Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, I'm starting to get a little worried that's going to happen this year, though, just with his surroundings. So um, he was back at practice. It sounds encouraging that he is going to play this week. Um, they play a Las Vegas Raiders defense that has given up. Let's see. Uh, well, they've been pretty good on, on the ground. They've given up the eighth most fancy points overall to running backs, but they've limited running backs on the ground, but they've given up the fifth most receptions and the third most receiving yards to running backs. That's really where the points are coming from. So I'm not sure it's as good of a matchup as it looks like on paper for Taylor. And then you throw in possibly the worst coaching play caller and quarterback combination in the league right now. I mean, they've got a, a brand new head coach and play caller. The coach is from outside of the building, Jeff Saturday. Like they've got Sam Ellinger at quarterback. I don't know how it could get much worse here for Taylor. So uh, then you look at his production. He was RB2 in week one, RB2 overall. Uh, he hasn't topped RB20 since then, and he hasn't scored a touchdown. I, I know he missed time with an injury, but uh, we just have not seen it. And to expect it to return this week is, I think, asking for an awful lot. So uh, that's a long way of saying I have him at RB16 this week, Ryan, which is kind of considering health, too. Like, I'm assuming he's healthy. So I don't think we would have ever thought that we would be ranking Jamal Williams and Cordell Patterson ahead of him. Um, but it's kind of feel like I feel like we're here and I don't feel like it's too low on Taylor. What are your thoughts? Is that too low if he's out on the field uh, this week? Like, it's a road game in Las Vegas. Like how, how much are they going to be able to run the ball here? (laughs) 
All right. So the the Colts, the guy calling plays for the Colts this week, uh, he, his name is Parks Frazier, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> when uh, when Jeff Saturday came in, there was I'm told there was nobody on like anywhere in the Colts building that had ever called plays before yeah. uh, at at the NFL level. Uh, so Parks Frazier is apparently a, the pass game specialist slash assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, so I, I, good luck to him, I guess. I, I mean, there, there is like, I guess like the bulls case for Taylor is that the testosterone just gets like amped up in Indianapolis and he carries the ball like 35 times and that that's just how they want to run the offense now. Like, I, I think that's a possibility, but I, I mean, we're, we're really just guessing at what this looks like. I, wouldn't I feel like there's no reason to expect much continuity just in, in terms of offensive philosophy. Like I feel like we could get almost anything. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, Taylor is cle- like clearly the guy in this backfield for like for better or worse, no matter what the play calling is. So yeah, I, I think the way you have him ranked kind of as like a mid range RB two is fair. Like you're, you're definitely playing him, but there could definitely be a lot of players that outscore him this week. Yeah, it could certainly be a a bare bones playbook that just involves Taylor running the ball up the middle every time. And yeah, I mean, you are right. Maybe that is good for Taylor this week. I I, I don't know. It's possible we get 35 carries here. I just, I wonder if he's really the old Jonathan Taylor that's going to take advantage of that. I mean, week one at Houston, 31 carries, 161 yards, seven targets, 14 yards, but never mind on that. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe I just, I'm a little skeptical that he's ready to take on that workload. So uh, the backfield behind him, if Deion Jackson is out, it's probably Jordan Wilkins and Philip Lindsay, nothing super exciting there, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, I think we want to avoid this whole offense and Taylor's the only one that like, we kind of have to just, just, deal with it and put him in our lineups for the most part because he's there we've seen too many flashes that like if you leave him on your bench and he gives you a 200 yard game you're gonna really hate yourself yeah yeah we'll we'll be talking more about this offense later in the show too yeah. uh spe- yeah speaking of offenses that we wish we could avoid but can't seem to stay away from is the tampa bay buccaneers uh se- seemingly every week we get more and more rashad white buzz about how he will eventually be the one that takes over this backfield. Uh, so Eric, what just looking at the data and what's actually happened on the field, why, why don't you tell me your thoughts on that and how you're approaching this backfield this week? Yeah. So I'm not sure the trend is as stark as a lot of people think it is as far as white eating into the work. I mean, he's certainly getting more work, but you look at the last four weeks for net um, 82% of the snaps, then 60%, then 72%, then 62% last week. So trending down a little bit, but it's holding pretty steady above 60. Um, last four weeks for Rashad White has been 22% of the snaps, 43%, 27%, 35%. So it's kind of been fluctuating over the past four weeks. It's not like anything new really happened last week. We we got some reports that Fournette was angry, you know, and there's maybe some arguments going on there behind the scenes. But um, I, I, I think it's still Fournette's backfield. It's a 60-40 split may, and, and probably trending a little above that for Fournette. Maybe something changes here. I don't know. But I don't think that Rashad White has exactly shown us anything all that exciting anyway. Like he's only top 10% of the targets once in week six. 
in a, in, in a game uh, one time. Fournette has topped 10% of the targets in six weeks this year. Uh, according to fantasy data, they have the exact same juke rate. Um, they're both 23rd in the NFL in juke rate. Uh, that's only one measurement, but it's not like White is blowing Fournette out of the water in that. Um, White has yet to have a breakaway run, which is a 15-plus yard run. Like, I know he hasn't gotten a ton of carries, but he's certainly been on the field. Like, somebody like Tony Pollard, you know, we see him break runs and limited work. Uh, Fournette only has two on the year, to be fair. But, you know, it's not like White is just winning this job. So, I kind of am skeptical that anything has happened here that's going to force the coach's hand to make this change. All of a sudden, I would expect 50-50, 60-40 splits somewhere in there. Um, and this, then I think the big takeaway is just that this offense is a mess, and until it gets better, it's probably not that exciting anyway. Like, we just want the targets in this offense, but we, we're we not even chasing the touchdowns so much anymore because they're not scoring. It's just, it's just the targets. It, it is a nice matchup this week against Seattle. Uh, they're one of the best teams to play pass catching running backs against. They've given up a ton of receptions. So in that sense, it's nice. But I've got Fournette RB18, Rashad White RB37. After digging deeper into it, I could probably bump White up a little bit, but it's just hard to get him very higher than like RB30 this week, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty similar scene to what it was a few weeks ago when we were talking about backup running backs that should or shouldn't be playing over the starter like yeah Fournette's not been amazing but it's not like White has really shown anything on an NFL field this year that would make you think that he's clearly better like that this Bucks run game is probably just kind of not gonna be all that functional no matter who's carrying the ball so yeah I I don't I largely agree with you I I well, I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. But it is just really weird to me that Todd Bowles every single week like has something not not just like, oh, Rashad White's great. Like we love him in, in the locker room or whatever, like he, saying like substantively, oh, we're going to get him more involved. Like we he, we actually want him to play. And then he just doesn't really play, really play more or not significantly, at least. So I don't yeah. know. It's just weird disconnect there. Like, I, I don't know why you're making those statements so consistently if it's not ever going to be backed up with any action well it sounds a little bit like the next backfield we're going to get to but I mean I think coaches just you know they've got all these press conferences they just have to say things that I, I I think a lot of these coaches are just talking to the media they're just saying stuff to get through the interview honestly like I don't I bet if you ask them 15 minutes after the interview what they just said they wouldn't even be able to tell you yeah fair enough <laughs> let's get to the next backfield because uh, I guess these are somewhat connected conversations uh There's been similar buzz around Jalen Warren in Pittsburgh, uh, potentially playing more at the expense of Najee Harris this week uh, coming out of their bye. Just kind of at first glance, I feel like I buy this one a little bit more than the Rashad White stuff. But why, why don't you tell me what your read is on it? Yeah, I do think it's similar situation. And just to be clear, like, I think Rashad White should be on fantasy benches. I think Jalen Warren should be on fantasy benches. Like, go get them. This is not me saying that I don't think we should roster them and there's not upside here. But, I mean, here's some of the quotes, I think, that, that's driving all the hype. We had Mike Florio reported Jalen Warren will get more touches moving forward. That's pretty vague. Jeremy Fowler writes, don't be surprised if Jalen Warren is featured more. Like, that's pretty vague. Uh, Mike Tomlin, like, I think kind of gave just a head coach quote. He said about Warren, he said, he's a quality back that's made some plays. 
will keep giving him an opportunity to do so. That was in reference to winning the job, I think. And maybe he'll write that script. Like that sounds like a coach that's saying, hey, if this guy plays well, we're going to give him opportunities. Like that's what a good coach should say. So I don't know that any of those quotes should be driving some of the stuff we're seeing on Twitter. Like he's taking over this backfield. I mean, I know Najee Harris has not been good. So I, I think there is an opportunity here, but it seems really vague. And we're also talking about a running back on the Steelers, which is a bad offense right now. So I just think we all need to pump the brakes here. I mean, snap share over the last three weeks, Jalen Warren has been at 31%, 23%, 29%. Maybe he gets closer to 40. Maybe he gets closer to 50. I mean, do we really think he's taking over and Najee Harris is going to get 30% of the snaps? I, I'd be, still be a little surprised if that happens. So if this was a better offense, kind of like the Tampa Bay situation, I'd be a lot more excited. At least Tampa Bay, there's the hope that, you know, Brady and Evans and Godwin figure this out. But I, I still, I've got Najee Harris RB20 this week, Jalen Warren RB40, New Orleans is who they're playing. Like they're middle of the pack and RB scoring. I just, I don't know. Unless Najee Harris gets hurt or Kenny Pickett breaks out, I just don't see the breakout in Jalen Warren that I think a lot of other people are trying to paint right now. Yeah. I mean, if, if the usages of these two players flip, then, Jalen Warren's like a back end RB two, maybe that you're not all that excited about. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just like it's week 10 and we're all kind of looking for things to talk about and get excited about, but yeah, I'm kind I'm kind of with you. Like it, I, I think this one is more likely uh, just based on how each player has performed relative to each other that I think yeah. it's more likely that, Warren could become involved more involved quicker than Rashad White. Um, but it's it's not like I'm running to trade for him or anything. Like that yeah. yeah, like there there's an outcome here where you get a productive player in fantasy, but I, I don't think he's like a hashtag league winner. Like I, I just have trouble envisioning that. Yeah. And just side note here, but Najee Harris, his PPR scoring has to be the most consistent in the league this year. He has been between seven points and 14 points every single week this year. It's it's like seven, seven, 11, 11, 13, 13, 12, 14. Like that's what he's scored by week. It's kind of wild. So if you have Najee, you can probably pencil in your 12 points this week. And I suppose there could be worse situations to be in in week 10 of the season. So, hey, you can still keep playing Najee. It's just not very exciting. All right. Moving over finally to the Dolphins backfield, uh, which had seemed like we'd figured it out, but suddenly became a lot more complicated after the trade deadline. Uh, wh what are we doing with both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert? Yeah, I copped out a little bit by ranking them back to back, but I did rank Jeff Wilson ahead of Raheem Mostert. I have Wilson RB26, Mostert 27 against Cleveland this week. Uh, so I, I think they're both reasonable RB2 plays if you're in a tough spot this week. Um, first week on the team last week, right after the trade, Jeff Wilson had 28 snaps. Mostert had 27. They both had the same rush share. Uh, Wilson had three targets. Mostert had two. They both scored a touchdown. Uh, this was against the Bears. This was a competitive game. It's not like this was a blowout, and they both played the same amount of snaps, and it was Wilson's first game. So I think Wilson could take over this backfield. I mean, it makes sense. Like, They've got to understand that Mostert needs some rest. And if they want to keep him around till the end of the season, like it probably makes sense to 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 get someone else in, like competing with him and taking half the snaps. So I, I think Wilson is probably the better fantasy bet at this point. It's 
they're both very close, but I'd be pretty confident playing them as an RB2 this week. The Browns have given up 10 rushing touchdowns, and just this Dolphins offense is so good that it's going to trickle down to the running backs. And uh, so, yeah, touchdown-dependent plays, but I, I think they're both pretty solid plays this week. Yeah, I I mean, I guess if you had Mostert, you're kind of mad that you got screwed out of like your surefire RB2 every single week that you got for, for basically free. But yeah, I, I largely agree with you. Just kind of whoever scores a touchdown is going to be the guy that you wanted to play. Yeah, and I mean, even Mostert before Wilson got here, it's there's not a lot of passing production. You know, it's a lot of one-catch games and uh, the, the games he scored touchdowns, he, you know, was an RB one, two range and the games he didn't, he wasn't. So that was even with Chase Edmonds struggling. So if Wilson can bring something to the table here and he looked pretty good week one, I, he's going to have a really healthy role going forward. Yeah. I mean, these guys are going to be like massive spoilers for the fantasy options we actually care about in Tyree <laughs> Kill and Jalen Waddle. That's kind, kind of the feeling I get. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move into wide receiver. Uh, so I had four guys that I thought it was worth checking in on. Um, all, all of these guys, none of these guys are like super fringy. So the, I'm, I'm not really giving any like super deep plays this week, but j- just guys, I thought it was worth having a discussion about. Um, so the first one is Chris Godwin, who we sort of started talking about on what we saw just in regards to, uh, positive regression i just thinking back to that conversation and digging into things a little more this week i decided that i was going to take a stand and rank him as the wide receiver 12 this week which seems a a little wild but then you look at his opportunity he ranks as the fourth best wide receiver in oppo per game over the last month uh, only Tyreek Hill has more targets than he does in that time, which I, I mean, go, goes to show you like how much the Bucks are throwing the ball, I guess. But it, yep. when players see this amount of opportunity, they think they'll figure things out eventually, generally, like as we talked about, we saw it with Mixon. Uh, and I mean, it's the same with God, kind of the same story with Godwin. Uh, he's underperforming his expected touchdowns. Uh, but by Oppo, he has one expected in the last month. Um, that that's a bit higher in other models that I've kind of looked at this week. Just being curious, but he, he should have scored by now. I, I think he probably will soon. I just looking at red zone opportunities, like he Godwin has had five in the last month to Mike Evans six. So it yeah. it's not as if he's not being used at all in that area of the field. Um, and I mean, yeah, it, it kind of just comes down to Tom Brady's gonna do something eventually. They're playing in, in Germany this week, right? Is that the Germany game against Seattle? So I don't know. I Tom Brady's gonna have to play well and earn some more money because I think all of his net worth got tanked in whatever <laughs> cryptocurrency um exchange that just went belly up recently he's been been seeing a lot of that on twitter so if if you want to be entertained maybe check that out if you want to get some fantasy points this week play chris godwin (laughs) i love it yeah i mean there's a few things here again speaking of consistency uh godwin between 11 and 16 ppr points each of the last six weeks that's with no touchdowns like he throws some touchdowns in there it probably feels a lot different to a rostered godwin so 
I don't mind you ranking him at 12. I mean, also Mike Evans, like we saw him get um, extra padding strapped onto his ribs during that game last week after he took a huge shot, uh, limited in practice. I'm sure he'll be out there Sunday, but he's already banged up. Um, I, I guess my main concern with Godwin, I, I believe we talked a little bit on the What We Saw podcast, is just maybe it's just kind of that classic like year after ACL injury season where he just doesn't have the burst that he used to. And that's why we're seeing these, you know, 10 target, 36 yard games. But I, I, I agree with you. Like if we're getting 10 plus targets every week for Godwin, I'm going to keep taking my chances. And Seattle has played a lot better on defense recently, um, but the, the place they seem to be most susceptible to for wide receivers is in the slot. So I, I do think this lines up pretty well for Godwin this week. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, originally, like part of the thesis for this was that the Bucks had a ridiculously high total. It, it was like the sixth highest at open, but now it's like way down. So that that kind of takes the wind out of the sails of this being a high scoring game. But I, I'm still interested j- just for the target volume, as we talked about. Yep. Totally agree. All right. We got another uh, bigger slot player here to talk about. So let's get on to Juju Smith-Schuster. What are your thoughts on him this week? Yeah. So Juju is just kind of the opposite story of Godwin, uh, where in the beginning of the season, he really wasn't producing. And now he has been. He's in the last three weeks, he has outperformed Oppo by 9.2 points per game, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and I mean, th- like this is Juju Smith-Schuster we're talking about. Like he, he is Juju Smith-Schuster's efficiency has been a punchline for like four <laughs> years. So it, it's including during his first month of playing with Patrick Mahomes. So I, I don't think it's just, oh, we dropped him into the Chiefs offense and now he's this wildly efficient player. And I, his usage really hasn't changed that much from what it's been all season. Uh, he he's at right about an 18% target share on the year. His last three games, that's been at 14.3%, 22.9%, and 19.4%. So I like the last couple games he's getting targeted a little more, but it it's not like insane. I he's not getting crazy air yards or anything. His average depth of target has been below seven in every game since week five. I, you can argue that's good for Juju and that is like the role that he should be playing and that he shouldn't be like up at that double digit a dot. Um, but I, I just don't expect him to continue overperforming as much as he has been. Like mm-hmm. I, and don't get me wrong. Like you're still playing him. I have him ranked as the wide receiver 24 this week, but he, I I've heard people talking about Juju as like low end wide receiver one. And I I'm just not there. Yeah, expert consensus has him at wide receiver 15, playing against Jacksonville this week. Yeah, I mean, if you take out a couple touchdowns, uh, you know, his stat line looks a lot like Chris Godwin's, really. Um, It's even last week against Tennessee, we just mentioned they are, what, the top pass funnel in the league. Uh, Caught 10 and 12 balls for 88 yards. That was wide receiver eight um, on the week. So, yeah, I I can see the pushback on – Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit. We'll see if they get Kadarius Tony more involved. We know he's going to be behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, it is a little interesting comparing him to some of the names above him on the list. But, I mean, I understand having Josh Palmer ahead of him. It's a tough matchup, but who else are they going to throw the ball to? So, um, yeah, I mean, I would suspect once you get to about RB – or, sorry, wide receiver, what, 14? It's, it's pretty close between, like, there and wide receiver 24. So, 
Um, it, it, it's a crowded group, but uh, yeah, he's probably a little more touchdown dependent as far as a big week goes than a lot of people would want to admit. Yeah, and I mean, the Chiefs are implied like 30 points this week, but it, they're favored by a touchdown, I think. Like, what what if they just run the ball a ton and that this isn't like a high-volume passing week for them? Um, I don't know. The, I, I've Yeah, as you said, I've got like Josh Palmer ahead of him, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Like, I, I just feel better about those players and their usages. Like, I, I think they're all just more involved in their offenses like Palmer, assuming that Keenan Allen doesn't play. Notice I skipped over Deontay Johnson because I did, didn't want to admit to that. But I, I do have <laughs> Deontay Johnson ranked over Juju this week. I, I'm sure that's going to go great for me. Yeah, I think DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson would be the main ones I would push back on. But, I mean, I can understand Tyler Lockett. I mean, that's uh, it's he's he's been performing really well lately. So, it, it's like I said, it's, it's a bunched up group there. A lot of similar options. So, Okay. Next up, Gabriel Davis. I feel like we've avoided talking about Gabriel Davis for quite a while. I'm a little disappointed now we talk about him while Josh Allen's hurt. But what do you got on Gabe Davis? Yeah, I, you mentioned like a podcast ago. Oh, we haven't talked about Gabe Davis. We got to do it. So I, I, I was like, all right, Eric, I'll, I'll make sure we talk about Gabe Davis. And then, yeah, of, of course, all, all of this could just be completely moot if Josh Allen isn't playing this week. Uh, or, or even if he's limited, I'm not not at all interested in playing Gabe Davis if we if we think Allen's not going to be throwing down the field a bunch because uh, that's kind of the whole thing. But yeah. looking at Davis himself, he has actually been underperforming Oppo as of recent uh, by 2.6 fantasy points per game. Gabe Davis's target share is only 14.4% on the season. There, there's been like this narrative recently that, oh, he's actually commanding targets now. Uh, Gabe Davis commanding targets means he had a 28% target share in week eight, uh, That, but that was only on seven targets. I think that was the Packers game uh, yeah. where it was just kind of embarrassing performance by the Packers. Uh, but then in week nine, what do you know? He's right back down to a 15% target share. Uh, and he was right around 15% in week seven before. So I, I don't think that I'm going to buy like Gabe Davis becoming a target earner just because he got seven targets against the Packers like that. From what I can tell, that's really what this narrative boils down to that's kind of what is behind it all so i i mean he's just like he always has been davis is a fine like kind of boom bust wide receiver three type of play he's 17.1 average depth of target this year like that it's what you would expect him to perform like just being very up and down not a lot of targets they're all coming very deep down the field so yeah, I, I don't know, Eric. I'm I'm disappointed that I, looking into Gabe Davis, I don't actually have a different take on him than I did four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even calling him boom bust at this point is a little generous. I mean, there was that you know kind of just classic Gabe Davis week five against Pittsburgh where he went for 32 PPR points. He had three catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I don't think that we should take that away from him, but you know, say there's a holding on one of those plays or something like it, things happen. And if you take out that game, like his best performance was week one, a wide receiver, 14 finish. Like he's had as many, he's had four games outside of the top 40 wide receivers in a given week. He's only had three inside the top 20. Like 
you know, he had one boom performance and otherwise we're looking at like 16 and 19 point games. So I will say, I mean, last two weeks, Green Bay, we, we talked about how much of a run funnel they are. Uh, the Jets have been a really good defense. So those are understandable weeks to have a, a downslide. I, I get it. Um, it was a little better when he was playing Kansas City and Pittsburgh and teams like that. But um, yeah, like I just even calling him boom bust is a little generous right now. So we certainly need to see things swing back up for Davis. And now if your quarterback has an injured throwing elbow, uh, I, I, I'm having a hard time, even with this nice matchup against Minnesota, he's got Detroit coming down the line. Like there are a few nice matchups, but it's hard to get real excited about him going forward. Yeah. I mean, it, if Allen were healthy and the weather were good, I'd probably be into Davis this week and say, saying that the, that's the boom week, like against pass yeah. funnel, Minnesota, um, when we know the bills are not going to let off the gas against another team that has a, an actual winning record and a, actual playoff aspirations. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this could have shaped up to be like a good Gabe Davis week, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just not into it. Yeah. And so you still got him ahead of Michael Pittman, George Pickens, Adam Thielen, Curtis Samuel. Like he's, He's still a wide receiver three, and I'm sure that ranking could rise up some if Allen is healthy. But I, I think just to put in perspective where you've got him ranked, it's like we've still got Cortland Sutton ahead of him, Devontae Smith, players like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I honestly, I, I like kind of want to bring Davis down more just with the Allen stuff. It, yeah, if we knew he was fully healthy, he would pr- he would get close to pushing for like what wide receiver 30 maybe. But yeah, that's uh, about where I've got him is a about where like his ideal like Josh Allen being healthy rank is well I mentioned Michael Pittman you got him next on the list Uh, I am very fascinated to hear you give some sort of um, analytical look at this situation in Indianapolis so uh, go for it I'm going to be listening eagerly yeah so I mean I was I was expecting to write this up uh just finding a bunch of horrible things about Michael Pittman and the whole situation. Um, and I don't get me wrong. Like the, the situation is horrible. Sam Ellinger got sacked nine times last week. Like the, <laughs> this is not a functional passing offense. And we have no idea what their play calling will look like as we talked about, but yeah. focusing on Pittman himself, I, the, the data is like not bad actually. Uh, he's had a 39% and a 21% target share in the two games since Sam Ellinger took over. His A dot is like exactly the same. He's been running the exact same kind of routes, been getting targeted in the same area of the field. Uh, but w- what the big difference has been is that with Ellinger, the Colts have been down to a negative 4% pass rate over expected. Uh, and that's compared to them just being dead even at 0% uh, through the first seven weeks. So, I mean, really the thing with Pittman is, will this coaching change bring a philosophy change? Will the Colts somehow be encouraged to throw more? If they are, then Pittman could still be pretty productive, even with Ellinger. Um, But I mean, I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm expecting them to remain very run heavy. Uh, so it, you can't really get him that high. Like I, I have him above George Pickens, Adam Thielen. Like he, even that feels like a, a little presumptuous. So I, yeah, I don't know. I it's, he's a tough guy to rank right now. Yeah. This sounds like a 
buy low in dynasty to me though. That's that's what it sounds like. He's he's still getting target shares, even though the situation's horrible. We can't trust him right now, but I mean good players draw targets and he's had six or more targets every single game this season, even in games where they didn't want to throw the ball a whole lot. So yeah, he sounds like a buy low in dynasty redraft. Hopefully you have better options. Yeah, I don't hate that take at all. I and I I mean in Dynasty Pittman specifically gets a, not a lot of respect, I feel like for reasons I don't fully understand. So, yeah, I I don't hate that at all. I th- I think he could be someone you try to get on a Dynasty team if you're rebuilding. It was interesting preseason like he took off out of nowhere ADP wise like we, we, I mean we were on him all off season but it felt like about three weeks before the season started he jumped up into how high did he get like fourth round or something crazy like he was way up there wasn't he that he was, was he was going in the third round on underdog yeah. for most of the off season yeah so I I get I guess he was getting up towards that in on a lot of other platforms and that that felt shocking. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember like dra- doing my first few drafts on like sleeper or Yahoo or whatever and being like, Oh, Michael Pittman. Like that, that's a name that I have not considered at all this off season because I've just been on underdog with all the other degenerates that take him in the third. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we bought into that Frank Reich, uh, Matt Ryan combination a little too much, I guess. So it will be fascinating to see how bad this offense gets, but I am expecting it to be pretty bad for the rest of the season. So hopefully they really are tanking. Um, okay, I think that wraps up wide receiver pretty well. Uh, Ryan, let's get real quick into your quarterback streamers this week. Um, we're starting to run out of exciting names here. Again, I hope you all jumped onto the Justin Fields train here about three weeks ago. Yeah, I like this is the worst. I yeah, I would say the worst week for quarterback streamers that we've had so far. Um it I only have two guys. They are both guys that we've streamed before to to decent results, but I don't think they're as strong of plays as they have been at certain points in the year. So starting off, we have Jimmy G. I have him ranked pro- probably a little too high at QB 10. I have him just over Trevor Lawrence and Tom Brady uh, below Derek Carr. So j- just to give you an idea there, uh, 46% rostered in Yahoo right now. I it's Jimmy G like he's a high floor play. He is actually fourth in EPA per play right now among all quarterbacks. I mean, you probably give most of that credit to all the weapons he's throwing to and the play calling in San Francisco. But I I mean, it's like at least worth noting and considering that the 49ers are going to sustain drives and that there will be some scoring opportunities. I I mean, he he's throwing to like probably the, best collection of like top four weapons in the league. Like, I, I don't know how you're beating Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, and George Kittle as like your top four pass catchers. Not, not that I can think of at least. Um, so I, I guess that, so there, there's like two things. I'm of two minds with Jimmy G as a streamer. So the chargers do lean a lot more run funnel. Their run defense has not been good. We know the 49ers would love to run the ball. So they're, there is a world here where Jimmy G doesn't even surpass like 20 pass attempts this week. Uh, but on the other end of things, since acquiring Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers have actually been a bit more pass heavy. Uh, it, it's small, this is like super small sample stuff. It's two games, but they have a 1% pass rate over expected uh, since McCaffrey joined the team against a negative six pass rate over expected 
uh, through the first six weeks or whatever it was. Uh, they, they've been throwing a lot more, especially on second down. I just thought it was kind of interesting, but running just as much with Christian McCaffrey on first down. So I, I don't know, may, maybe Shanahan feels like McCaffrey being there opens up the offense a little more to be a little bit more aggressive on second down instead of just running twice in a row. Uh, but that that's like kind of the case for Jimmy G. And yeah, the fact that he's my QB 10 and that's how lukewarm I am on him kind of sh- shows you again how bad the quarterback position has been this year. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, he's definitely a floor play. That's what he is. He's uh last four weeks, he's been QB 14 or higher, no higher than QB nine, but he's he's been solid. He's thrown two touchdowns every game, but two, those were the two games he was not 14 or higher. So, you know, it's, you're going to be banking on those two touchdowns, but he's been coming through and this is coming out of their bye week. Like this is maybe their first chance to like regroup and incorporate McCaffrey, like even more into this offense and Shanahan can scheme up some stuff. So I know I'm not uh, I'm not against it. I'm I'm intrigued by Justin Herbert being ranked so low, but I do understand it's against San Francisco. Um, but you've got him down at QB 15. Like that's the only name I see below him in these rankings that I would even like hesitate about. I mean, maybe Trevor Lawrence right below him, but that's QB 10, QB 11. Like that's that's splitting hairs there. But the the position's rough right now, so I don't blame you. I mean, again, we've got uh, Tua QB five, uh, Geno QB seven. Like it's it's a weird year, Derek. Car QB nine. There's just I, I think Jimmy fits right in there at QB ten. Yeah, I just with the Jimmy versus Herbert thing. Uh, so the Niners are favored by seven points in this game, which means San Francisco has the third highest implied total of any team this week, uh, where the Chargers are the seventh lowest uh, implied, less than twenty points. So. I tend to listen to Vegas a lot, especially when I'm doing my quarterback rankings. So, I mean, yeah, like the the thought with Herbert is he has no one to throw to. Uh, They don't really have any sort of explosive offense down the field. We've seen the 49ers just kind of shut offenses down at points this year. So I feel like having Herbert down at QB 15 is like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's fair. There, there, this is just like a really tough environment this week for Justin Herbert. Um, mm-hmm. I can't get him lower than that because he is Justin Herbert. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just really tough right now. QB sucks. I mean, last week he had 43 attempts against Atlanta. We just talked about how bad they are against the pass. He put up 13 fantasy points and was QB 18. Uh, look at that matchup week six. That's another tough defense, Denver. When he faced them, he had 57 passing attempts and had nine fantasy points. So yeah, it's it's not been great over the past four weeks for Justin Herbert. And that coincides with a lot of his targets getting hurt. So yeah, I, I get it. Now that I look a little more into it and see the dud he put up against Atlanta last week, I understand. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just really disappointing. It's hard, yeah, hard to feel good about him. Um, also hard to feel good about my next streamer. It's... <laughs> It's Jacoby Brissett. I have him ranked as the QB 16, so I would play Herbert over him. Uh, but Brissett is a deeper play against the Dolphins uh, on the road, 9% rostered in Yahoo leagues. The Dolphins are allowing the second most points to opposing quarterbacks over the last month. A lot of that is what Justin Fields just did, dropping 40 points on them, but still should be a game environment somewhat conducive to shootouts like the the Dolphins are going to put up points and push the Browns. They're not going to be able to just 
hand the ball off to Nick Chubb 25, 25 times and call it a day. Brissett is ninth in the league in total EPA per play. So I, I mean, he's also been competent. Like he was, he was pretty good in that primetime game a week or two ago. It was it against the Bengals. I think uh, you, you would remember that Eric. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I've forgotten all about that game. Oh yeah. I'm sure you have. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm playing Brissett over like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, th- those guys are QB 17 and 18. Uh, I, I know we just talked about how I kind of want to believe in Russ, but just the implied total being down to under 18 points for the Broncos, 19 points for the Packers. It's just at, at some yeah. point I've got to be like, okay, J- like Jacoby Brissett has been, outperforming these guys in fantasy Vegas likes them more. So I rank him above them. No, I get it. Uh, Like you said, dolphins are putting up a lot of points and then they've been pretty good against the running games. I mean, it's just yards per carry, but they're, they're really limiting opposing running backs on yards per carry. It's way down at 3.6 per rush. So uh, I, I suspect the Browns will still find a way to run on them, but uh, yeah, Brissett looked really good against the Bengals. He was like 17 to 22, I think. Very efficient. Cooper looked good. So I, I don't hate it either. Um, mainly just giving you uh, a little pushback here, but there's certainly worse, worse options as a, a QB 16 than Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, un- unfortunately, there are, there are worse options that are household NFL names. All right, <laughs> let's move on to tight end, Eric. Uh, we do have a new name this week. I, I don't think we've talked about this guy, at least not for a while. So just go go ahead and try to talk me into Cole Komet. Good luck. Uh, I'll do my best. There's not many options at tight end this week. So slim pick and under 50% rostered on Yahoo. But yeah, I mean, this is coming from me. I've never been in on Komet really. Nothing against him. I just tend to want to see these young tight ends do something first before I invest a, a draft pick in them, unless they're a super high draft pick. But um. He's, like I said, 47% rostered on Yahoo. He plays Detroit this week, which, I mean, that's a great matchup. No matter what position you play, they've given up the seventh most points to opposing tight ends. But, you know, he, he plays all the snaps for the Bears, Komet does. Um, he had a 22% target share last week. He's got three touchdowns over the past two weeks, uh, over 10% target share in three of the last four. Like, there are some things trending here in the right direction. It feels like we're chasing points, so I, I totally, that gives me some pushback here. Um, but, you know, Justin Fields is ascending and it's a good matchup. So I think in tight end streamer land, like that's probably enough. Let's see if this passing offense keeps trending upwards and Komet keeps finding the end zone because uh, it, it's really just about volume in this passing offense. He is seeing a decent piece of the pie. We just need to keep, you know, seeing them throw the ball. And I, I think against Detroit, uh, he's a decent enough bet for a touchdown. All right, so I am going to like flip your bit from a couple weeks ago back on you because you are <laughs> citing target shares on the Bears offense right now. So but first of all, uh, over a 10% target share in three or four weeks, like what what a bar yeah. that you've set yeah. there. But that actually translates to in, in the three targets, three targets, two targets, and then in week five, he had four targets. So uh-huh. that that that's the that's the... 10% plus target share that we're touting right now with Cole Komet. But no, I mean, like in all seriousness, yeah, it this Bears offense does seem to be better. They're, they're somehow like implied the fourth most points of any team in the NFL this week. So I understand why you're optimistic, but yeah, I, I agree. It feels 
point JC, but what else are we going to do at tight end? Well, it's really hard too if we cut it off at 50% on Yahoo. I mean, at 50%, we've got Robert Tunyon. Um, he's been trending the wrong direction. He's losing some snaps, uh, just 46% of the snaps last week, and he's playing Dallas. So that's like our uh, one of our options under 50% rostered. We have Mike Gesicki at 48%, who like, I mean, he's a roller coaster. He has zero floor. You never know what you're getting with Gusecki. They're playing against the Browns this week. Um, you got Hunter Henry and Isaiah Likely on a bye. Tyler Conklin on a bye. Irv Smith on IR. Like, you go through those names, and all of a sudden you're at 16% rostered on Yahoo. That's how <laughs> most people have found their tight end by now. And 16% rostered is my other streaming option. That's Kate Otten against the Seahawks. Uh, this would be my number one streaming option. Um, but I, I think maybe the dream is dead here, Ryan. Uh, Cameron Brake got in a full practice on Wednesday. So this might be the end of it. I, Tampa Bay needs Otten. I mean, he's got five plus targets in three straight games. He was five for 68 in a touchdown last week. Like they need some more pieces in this offense, but I, I do worry that Brate is going to be back on the field and eat into his snaps, but it's probably still worth a flyer. If you're desperate, um, Seattle has given up the second most points to tight end position this year. So I don't know. Kate Otten, if you, if you told me Cam Brate was going to be out or that Otten had clearly won the job, then I'd be right back on board for Otten. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the question that they just keep playing Otten as the starter, right? Like, yes, yeah, I mean, especially in, in Brate's first game back. So, yeah, I, I think that there's potential here. I, I kind of like it. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we make it a little hard on ourselves going with the 50%, especially after waivers run. I realized a lot, a lot of these other shows were using Justin Fields as a streamer last week, just because (laughs) he was, he was like 40 something percent rostered before waivers ran and like 70% after. So I, yeah, like I, if you were quote unquote streaming Justin Fields last week, good job, I guess Uh, we were streaming him two or three weeks ago because we're, (laughs) we're just early to the party here. Uh, Trendsetters. Yeah, we, that's us. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say what's kind of wild, too, is I was going to tell people, hey, keep an eye out on David Njoku. He's, he, he claimed he was going to play this week. I don't think that's going to happen, but he's trying to work his way back. He should be out there in a lot of leagues. David Njoku is still 71% rostered on Yahoo. <laughs> so that just shows you how brutal tight end is right now. I, I think most people have their guy, but if you don't, uh, there's not a lot of options right now. Yep, everybody's holding David and Joku. It's it, it's yeah. I don't know if it's inactive leagues or if it's it's probably actually people holding David and Joku. It's pretty desperate. Um, yeah, anything I, else? I cut him loose personally, so I he, he's out there in my league. I, I that's I noticed him. I thought about adding him, and uh, unfortunately, just rostering two tight ends it really just kills me inside. Yeah, it's it, it like ruins everything I want to do with my bench, but. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on the tight end position before we move on to defense, Eric? No, that's that's pretty much it. Um, we'll have a few more options next week, I think, after these bye weeks lighten up. All right. Well, let's move into defense. Uh, we again with uh, us doing this after waivers, it gets hard to find good options uh, under fifty percent. But I mean, I I think two of the clearest options that were well under 50% that a lot of people picked up were the giants at home against Houston and the Titans at home against Denver. I've already talked about Denver's implied total, uh, just pretty much copy and paste the same exact take with the giants at home against Houston, just 
a big home favorite in a low total game is exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those were the clear pickups. Um, they definitely shot up in, in roster ships. So if you're looking for one under the 50% threshold, I would take a shot with uh, the Raiders defense is terrible, but I would take a shot with them home against the Colts in this mess that we've talked about all week uh, do, or all, all podcast. I'm sorry. I, I think that's a decent shot at some points. And then um, Atlanta at Carolina. I know we don't like road teams, but again, PJ Walker looked really bad. So I'd be willing to roll the dice on the Falcons if, if super desperate, but um, yeah, there were some really good options that already got scooped up on waivers in most leagues. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Like we, we can, when we can stream against Sam Ellinger and PJ Walker, like even, even if it's bad defenses, like there, there's still some upside there. I don't hate it. Um, I guess the only other possibility is the Vikings. If, this goes the way of Allen not playing and it's a bad weather Buffalo game with Case Keenum. Uh, yeah. it, Minneapolis is on the road. I would imagine that the game total would flip and that they would become favorites if Allen were confirmed out. So that that's probably not horrible. The Vikings are 44% rostered right now. Yeah, I, I still think I'd take my shot with uh, Sam Ellinger and Jeff Saturday. So that, that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think the I think the Raiders are the best of the ones we just talked about. Yep. All right, I think that wraps this one up. Uh, I was happy to get back into the pass funnel and run funnel defenses. It's good to check in on those every once in a while and just make sure new trends haven't emerged. I think it's pretty consistent with what we saw early on, which is a good thing. It means that uh, uh, the process worked and the, the, these are the defenses to exploit. So hopefully that was helpful for everyone. Um, again, check out all the stuff that uh, Ryan is going to be rushing now to get done on the website, like the uh, sit start tool and the, the oppo report and all that, but now it'll be up there. I've got full confidence in Ryan. So uh, thanks for listening. Everyone we will have the, what we saw podcast coming out Sunday night, check out the website for sit start and enjoy the rest of your week.